before we get into the podcast, I want to preface this episode with a trigger warning. We are talking about a really, really difficult topic, eating disorders. So if this is triggering for you, I do recommend you go to another one of my podcasts. And welcome to the Taylor's Life podcast. Today I'm joined by Roxy, who is an engineer and has a master's in illustration. I know that's cool, isn't it? Today we're going to chat through her recovery journey through anorexia. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Roxy to the Taylor's Life. Hi. Hello. How's your day been? Has it been good? It's been gorgeous. Very busy today. Yeah. Stuck inside on this gorgeous sunny day. No, I've been outside. I've been good. I've been outside. Amazing. Right. Before we get into it, do you want to explain a little bit about what you do, your job and everything like that? Yes. So I'm a telecoms engineer. I work on the underground surveying the old copper cables for extraction. Then we pull them out with this huge winch, which is really interesting. It's dirty work and it's hard work keeping up with the lads and stuff. I have my side hustle with my illustrations. So I'll take commissions on and stuff like that. And then I do a little bit of some modelling as well on the side. Oh, that's amazing. And what sort of things do you illustrate? I do a lot of dot work and stuff like that. So my own stuff, I've been working on a project designing tarot cards based on sphinxes because I own a sphinx and he is my child. Um, I just I just love the breed. They're so interesting. Um, And then the latest commission I did was an A3 dog portrait it took about two weeks to complete completely in dot oh wow that's amazing and do you have a little instagram for your illustration yeah it's roxy and with an underscore under each word perfect well i'll add that into the description box of the spotify thing so people can go and check out your work which will be amazing when you went to university did you study illustration yeah i did my bachelor's in illustration when i was 19 i started there amazing you enjoyed it yeah yeah it was good there was a lot of ups and downs like personal issues and stuff like that and obviously I was struggling at the time meeting disorder but I got through it got a pretty good grade as well amazing I'm so proud of you it must have been like really really difficult to go through uni and be dealing with all of these personal issues on the side if you know what I mean and then have to keep like a brave face on so with that being said when you started your anorexia journey I guess was this during university or did it happen prior it was just before when I was about 17 I had a lot of issues growing up like just stuff like my biological dad and stuff like that didn't want contact with us and when he did want contact he was an angry person like he drank a lot he smoked a lot and all that kind of stuff and then just like personal issues and then I got bullied quite badly in six farms to the point I had to leave and I think it was just that was sort of the like main catalyst that made me feel like I didn't have any control over my life and then from there things sort of started. So would you say with the bullying and like you know your dad not being a dad I guess you had not much control over what happened in your life so this was the only sort of thing you could control like what was going in and out of your body sort of thing yeah yeah it was a lot like that I did become quite a bit of a control freak through it for a little while were you like worked up on numbers like how did the eating disorder start and I want to say now that we're not promoting it or anything like that we're just like getting to paint a picture so were you like obsessed with numbers like how did it all really start at first the numbers didn't start until a little bit later on at first it was just like eating less of what like my mum had started giving me because I was obviously living at home at the time or just avoiding meals and things like that and then that's when I first started like trying to make myself sick and things like that just to avoid 
intake and things, but it wasn't really severe at the start. So my weight was, it was low, but not like noticeably low. So had you always been quite thin growing up? Not like, my twin sister was always like really skinny growing up, but I was, I was quite similar because we was always been into sports and stuff like that. So we always were like quite, quite thin. What's your go-to sport? What do you do now? Now I do powerlifting at the gym and running. When you started going through your eating disorder, did it strain your relationship with your mum, That like that relationship that you had? Did she pick up on it or was it later? Not straight away. She sort of knew something was up for like quite a while because I struggled with my mental health anyway. Like I've had bipolar disorder from quite early on in childhood. She just thought it was something mood related or something like that. Like my eating disorder traits went under the radar probably for about five or six years. Five or six years? Yeah. Oh my word. So it was a very, very long sort of process. So what can you like explain a little bit of like a timeline? So it started when you were 17 and then can you talk me up to basically your age now, like through recovery and stuff? Yeah, so I'm 29 now. So it was probably when I was about 21, that's when things really started to escalate. It was my second year of university and stress just started picking up. I was in a really toxic relationship and then that's when it started to become more noticeable, like friends around me and stuff like that. Even tutors at uni were picking up on it. I just one day just brought down, told my mum everything and she sort of like said she knew something was up and she tried and support me. But with things like that, if you've not been through it, no one really knows how to support you. Yeah. I get that completely and I think you know if people were really starting to notice that something was going on then yeah it must have been very very obvious. Did you notice yourself that it was a bad thing that you were doing to your body like did you realize it was wrong? Well yeah like because I was starting to feel quite physically unwell like I I was dizzy all the time my hair was falling out my nails were just snapping off and things like that so it was like obviously I knew like I'm I'm making myself pretty unwell here and then you just still every time the scale goes down a little bit you still celebrating it yeah like it's just it just keeps pushing you and pushing you and then when you the iller you get the sort of that fuels you even more because it's like oh I must be doing something right if I'm losing so much weight to make myself so poorly I'm I'm obviously still so did you get obsessed with it then yeah you you become so trapped in your internal world so when I was about 24 that's when I first went into a general hospital but I was released quite quickly I wasn't too poorly but I was pretty poorly and I tried to recover at home because there was no services available but you become so trapped in your internal world like at my illest I just hated everyone like, I hated my family I didn't want any friends because like anyone trying to help me like they're the, they're the enemy in your head yeah. like you just want to be in your internal world so you can just focus on it with you saying that did it really strain every every sort of relationship you had in your life then yeah like I, I lost pretty much all my friends for it because like no one really wants to be friends with someone that's dying and it's hard for them emotionally to keep trying to support someone that just doesn't want to help themselves and then you're pushing your family away when they're just trying the best because they love you and they care about you but to you, you're developing this resentment towards them because they're keeping you away from your obsession and things mm-hmm. like that. And my twin sister, she, we weren't like always super close growing up. We always had the twin scraps and stuff like that. But she got to a point where she couldn't speak to me. She couldn't look at me. She she just couldn't comprehend it at all. 
That's that's like really, really upsetting. But I guess if you don't want to help yourself, then how are others meant to help you? It's that sort of thing. And what was the turning point for you? What point did it get where you were like, I need to help myself here? I think it, it got to a point actually where I was just like, I stopped drinking water, I stopped all intake, everything. So that eventually did shrink my brain and I do have a form of brain damage from that. But I was in a point I was in hospital and my mum, I was falling into a coma and my mum was crying her eyes out. And my mum is tough, like she is a tough woman and she was breaking down, like begging me, like just have this glucose injection. I, I was literally laughing at her. But then after a bit, like seeing her, like pleading with the doctors, like just restrain her, just do anything, just do anything. And like my mum, the strongest person I've ever seen, like that's when I first started to realise like how it was affecting everything else around me because I was I was just so wrapped up in it and so wrapped up in myself I didn't see it so it was then that's I thought like for my family then I'll make some steps I'll try I'll I'll do a little bit that's like absolutely crazy and so you went through uni and then you were in hospital once you'd finished uni or was this all sort of coincided I was I was admitted and then I did attempt some form of recovery, but about after about a year, I just relapsed and was like 10 times worse just with brute force because I didn't have like the professional support or the proper support. I just was like, yeah, I'm better, like to get everyone off my back and then just spiraled back into it like 10 times worse. That's so awful. And with the um, doctors or whatever, were you in hospital for a long time? And like, how did your recovery plan look? So I was in a general ward in hospital because they had to stabilise me first. And then that's when I was tube fed as well. But they came to visit me from one of the priory hospitals. And after they checked all my stats and my records, my weights and all that, they they actually told me I was too ill to go into one of their inpatient facilities because they aren't like hospitals. They don't cater for someone that is that poorly. You've got to get to a certain level. Like you can have tube feeds in there and stuff like that, but you've got to be at a certain level where you aren't going to collapse, where you need A&E staff and, and stuff like that to be resuscitated and all that. So I was refused from there. And then I was referred to a few other places because they can send you literally anywhere in the country. But all of them refused based on my information. And it, it got to a point where I was like, I want to get better, but I'm not getting this help. I just ripped all my tubes out and was like, right, I'm going home. And then what? I was actually referred to outpatient services. But I still had to go to my GP every day for ECGs and blood tests every morning for about six months. Oh, my word. Um, so you ended up recovering in the your home, I guess, because you were pushed away from every hospital yeah that's awful when you say it like that that like hospitals are meant to be helping people but do you think and you know correct me if this isn't like politically correct but do you think it was because you had underlying mental health issues as well that they were like you know we can't have her in the hospital like which was absolutely mental for me to say but do you think it was due to that yeah, that was one of the underlying factors because I was bipolar, but I'd been refusing medication for about two or three years. So I, like, I was so unstable with that. And then trying to get someone to be stabilised with bipolar and then trying to get them to recover from eating disorder all at the same time in one facility. There's no, there's not really the facilities that you can go to to do that. So I was referred to an outpatient service to Sarah in Salford and she was actually brilliant at first I was so against her like I hated her so much at first but I owe her my life like she saved my life like she did so much for me and got me so far 
Oh, that bless. And, you know, sometimes it does take that one person. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, at the time, maybe you didn't think she was helping, but maybe on reflection, she's maybe one of the reasons that you're here today. Do you know what I mean? So thank you, Sarah. Yeah. Like, wow, you know, the world, the world needs more people that are willing to help. And I'm so glad that you chose life. So thank you, Roxy. That is amazing like yeah I can't imagine how hard that must have been for you can we go back to like what you were like in primary school and stuff so were there any sort of symptoms back in the day like were you ever picky with your food or anything like that I didn't really show any issues with food like I always loved food growing up me and my sister were them kids that like never stopped eating like ever there was symptoms with my bipolar doll just like with the mood issues and behavioral stuff do you think your bipolar had something to do with your relapsing well so you said before you'd recovered slightly do you think the bipolar was something to do with you relapsing 10 times worse yeah because i was unmedicated so i was unstable anyway so if you've got unstable moods and then you find that with like a really unhealthy coping mechanism like bipolar makes you quite an all or nothing person so it was just like I was all in like because oh, that's just how my, my mood was and did you refuse medication or um was there like some other reason why you chose not to have medication a lot of the medications for bipolar cause weight gain so for me it was just like an absolute no okay. so like, yeah, yeah. That makes sense now that I'm getting to paint a picture a little bit more about both of them sort of together and your relationships now with your family are they a lot better than what they were and your family and friends I'll say are they a lot better now that you've like recovered yeah me and my mum are super close we she's always coming over to my house and stuff to see my cat it's like I'm always over there seeing the dogs me and my twin sister speak every day from the minute we get up we're messaging each other Oh, and stuff like that and then I've just gone on to make like new friends like through work or through the gym and stuff like that and did you ever see your life being as good as it is now when you were in those darkest times did you ever see a light no like even every day I wake up now like this doesn't feel like it's really my life like it's so strange like I own my own house I've got my own car like I, I drive a massive van to work I'm like I've got my cats that I adore and like I'm busy and I function and I do adult stuff like I just oh, never imagined it. That's amazing and you know there is something about when you've come from that really dark place and build it up yourself there's something like really really admirable about that so like kudos where it's deserved because that must have been a really really hard thing to do and you're journey with the gym so did the gym help you recover from your eating disorder so what does it look like to you now do you love exercise in a healthy way yeah it's like I know it's a healthier way now because today like I usually have like quite a few sessions booked on a Friday but today I was just tired so it's like I can just cancel them like there's not the drive to push myself to the point where I'm in pain or where I'm injuring myself or anything like that I can stop but like it's been on and off my journey with the gym. I did need it when I first started to eat again and stuff because I'd lost so much muscle mass. I had to like basically learn to walk again and stuff. So 
I needed it to build that muscle to have the strength to be able to like walk for longer than 10 minutes and build stamina and stuff like that. But now it's more because I'm in such a male dominated workplace, like I need that strength to keep up. Like I hate being put out by the guys. Like I've I've got to compete with them. So just another way to keep me strong and it's another way I can like push myself but in a good way. That's amazing. And did you start getting into the gym then properly quite recently then? About three months ago, I started getting into it. I found a PC that was doing powerlifting, like group sessions. So I've been going to them and then just building it up from there, really. Oh, that's amazing. That's just honestly, I've got such a smile on my face because I'm so proud of like how far you've come. And one more sort of thing that I'd like to just paint a picture of a little bit more, just if there's anybody listening to this that may be struggling with recovery and stuff. So do you know you went home to recover? How did a day look for you? Did you wake up in the morning, have a little snack to eat and then little and often sort of that way? Well, I was actually put on a um, prescription liquid diet to start with because my because um, the risk of refeeding syndrome and stuff like that it was a really limited like the like these awful high calorie little milkshakes so I had to drink like three of them a day and then just build up from there I think the first I can remember it because the first solid food I ate was passion fruit yogurt and it was like I'd not eaten solid food in like six months and it was like the tastiest thing oh. it was insane like, I can always remember that yogurt like it's still my favorite yogurt to this day like it was so good <laughs> I love that so it took you about six months to recover fully like what was your recovery time well it took me about six months to recover fully to get away from like the refeeding syndrome and the physical issues you can get from eating again probably took about five years to get to like this point like it's probably the past 18 months this is the wellest like I've ever been like obviously like people will still have like the odd trait like I still eat my yogurt with a tiny my like yogurt and breakfast with a tiny spoon I like my own plates my own cutlery stuff like that like it drives my boyfriend mad but he's dead understanding with it and like I'd go mad if he, he takes any of my snacks like I still hoard snacks and I know how many is in that cupboard <laughs> but you're like counted. <laughs> yeah just little things like I'll always have those little traits but I can eat what I want now, but it was like I did the liquid diet. I think that went on for about three weeks, and then you get you sort of get in touch with a dietitian as well. So then you'll start there, like you start off small and work your way up. So they want you to gain about 0.2 kilos a week, which isn't too drastic. It's not too bad, and obviously keeps you doing it in a healthy way. Like they're not going to push you to eat more than you need to. Yeah, I think that's good because I think little and often, and like you know, if you eat too much it might have a negative effect in the long run do you know what I mean so yeah it's good that they're doing like small little things and I'm interested in learning a little bit more about the is it called the re-eating syndrome so like refeeding refeeding so what happens to your body if you're very very underweight and then all of a sudden you start eating again it's basically like knocks all your electrolytes out of life because your body's using like the last bits of energy it has to keep your body alive then if you eat a load of food that last bit of energy is going to go to digesting that food so it can cause cardiac arrest and things like that it's it's really serious that's why I was monitored so closely like when I left the hospital and stuff like that is that why you went back and forth every day to the hospital then yeah oh my word I I didn't even realize that could happen like 
that seems very very extreme <laughs> like it is I went through it like when I first even just with the little shakes and stuff like that like I drink one and you start to feel your body like you feel really ill like you'd start shaking you'd feel your heart like pumping out your chest and stuff like that like it, it wasn't pleasant like like you do have to go through it when you get to the really low weight I'm so sorry you've been through this this sounds like awful but what advice would you give yourself now like you know yourself back in those dark times and you've recovered you've got a degree under your belt you're an engineer you've got a house a cat a loving partner like what advice would you give yourself probably just to get help before it goes that far like hospital was traumatic like getting a feeding tube traumatic and it's painful like after I got the feeding tube I stopped like once I got out of hospital I didn't leave the house or anything like it just felt like they took so much from me just feel like to get that help like there is help available like Beat's a good one like I, I've rang Beat a few times in recovery just to get that reassurance and they can provide support because a lot of their volunteers have been through it themselves so they were really helpful and then obviously if there is a waiting list to get help like find peer support while you're waiting like talk to your family talk to your friends like just be open before it gets to that point it gets to a point where it almost seems like you can't turn back around sort of thing i want to ask actually that was really good advice by the way so with the feeding tube did it feel like they taken a bit of your dignity away from you once that had happened yeah that was like the last bit of control i had was gone that's that's so awful i'm so sorry like this has happened but I'm so proud of you for getting through it like yeah you sent me a picture of um you in the hospital and it broke my heart it really really did but I'm really really proud of you and I want to say a massive thank you for being on my podcast like it means so much <laughs> to come forward and chat about your experiences and stuff and with that being said is there anything else that you'd like to add to the podcast? feel like we've covered a lot like unless you've got any questions I think that's all I can think of amazing thank you and I'll add um helplines and everything in the description box for anybody who may feel like they need support and I'm going to add your illustration Instagram there as well because I'm so excited to check out your work it's going to be amazing and thank you so much everybody for listening and I'll catch you in the next one Bye, Roxy. Bye.